one, this is William Del Pilar, your conservative Latino, and Big Girthy John. And tonight we are here to talk about some NBA, some NFL free agency, some Razor Ramon, may he rest in peace, along with Carl Nassib and where does the LGBTQ, everything else representative go from here? So Big John, it's good to have you on. Apologies, my friends, I did forget our big guest today. Our big guest is Dennis Velasco, Mr. Lucha Libre himself, <laughs> Mr. Former Sports Grumblings. Yes, Mr. Man, the myth, the legend, the Asian eighth wonder of the world. Yeah, he he he's done it all, more or less. So uh, William, he may have even done it twice. Dennis, <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing all right. Now I heard that I was big, like. Are you hearing something from females? Like, you know, I got in the boxers or what? No, he heard it from me. He heard it from me. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. Well, then we know it's true. But keep that on the D-low. There's a lot of Trump supporters watching us. Oh, okay? I got On you. the D-low. I, I think that's just a libertarian projecting. <laughs> for, for the fans out there, Dennis Velasco is the EIC of nerd fantasy sports. That is editor-in-chief. He's contributed fantasy basketball content to Sports Illustrated and The Score and regular NBA content to Yahoo, Slam, SB Nation's Nets Daily, ESPN's Old Troop Hoop Network, or I'm sorry, True Hoop Network, and many other hoop destinations on the internet. He's the founder of Hardwood and Hollywood, which was a Fox Sports partner and currently a complex slash BuzzFeed publishing partner. Everyone, let's welcome a Dennis Velasco. By the way, William, <laughs> you forgot the most important part of his bio. He is okay. one of the original Sports Grumblings writer staff as well. Oh, that is true. That is true. Were you the one plagiarizing, Dennis? <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. That, that wasn't me. That was Jesse Smollett. That was I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Jesse, it was he Jesse. He never got a call from Matt Berry. He never got a call. I never got a call about him from Matt Berry. Well, with that, let's get right on into it. We know, Dennis, you are a busy man, and it is the East Coast, and I am on the West Coast, so I'm keeping you up a little late. First of all, the trade, a quick review of this trade of the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers with uh, Harden and Simmons. Yeah, so, you know, that happened a little bit ago. Uh, you know, James Harden went from the Brooklyn Nets along with Paul Millsap um, to the Philadelphia 76ers. And in return, the Nets received Ben Simmons, who hasn't played all year and still hasn't. Um, Seth Curry, who's played really well for the Nets and Andre Drummond, who also has been playing really well for the Nets. Um, obviously, top talent gets the job done. James Harden, since joining the 76ers, has been kicking butt. But, you know, you wouldn't expect anything less. You know, he's one of the top 75 players of all time for a reason. Well, did, uh, uh, with the trade, did Ben Simmons get on the court for this matchup? For the folks out there, we're, we're going to break down and talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets literal destruction of the Philadelphia 76ers in their first meeting. Uh, real quick note here, the Nets did, did, didn't they also acquire two first round picks? Oh yeah, they, they acquired the draft picks, but uh, draft picks at this point really don't matter because you know the Nets are trying to just win now. Um, and the way that the general manager, Sean Marks works, 
he always uses uh, draft capital for you know big trades. So that's why a lot of them will be like second rounders, and you think, oh, who can you get in the second round? Well, you never know who you can get in the second round. So that's why, yeah, you never, I mean, you never know. So um, Sean Marks is known for using that uh, to get established players or whatever they need. Well, that's how it should be. Draft picks as commodities. I, I'm sure JTG will agree in fantasy football, fantasy, any fantasy sport, us, uh, us long-time old-timers uh, love using those as commodities to get who we want and move up or down. Just common sense. All right, Dennis. For those who did not watch the game, was Ben Simmons able to get into this game? No, his back is still hurting like an old man. So <laughs> that's been the problem. Actually, it's been a problem for a while now. Uh, whenever he's been injured, it's usually been his back. And the fact that he hasn't been playing, he hasn't played all year, it's just made it worse. So once he joined the Nets, they were just working on his back. They have uh, markers uh, to figure out like, okay, He's done with one-on-one, you know, um, individual work. Now he's going to start playing five-on-five. That hasn't happened yet. So obviously there's something going on with his back still. They were hoping that he can come back this week, but that's not happening. Uh, Now the best hope for the Brooklyn Nets and their fans are for him to play like a game or two before the playoffs start. Mm. Uh, If you ask me, I'm not very – I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. What do they say is wrong specifically with his back? Are you, do you know? Because it's, I mean, he hasn't played for well over a year now and and still have back problems like that speaks to the seriousness or potential of. Yeah. Well, I'm missing that flares up every now and then. I think it's his L5 um, that's been hurting. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, you know, his lower back and, you know, if, if you've played any sport, which I believe you guys have, like when your back goes out, it, it, it does not help you with your athletic performance. So <laughs> as you age, you kind of see the realities of that. And for yeah. those of you who've never had back pain, you literally cannot do anything because that back is involved in every uh, uh, moment. I remember in military training one time, my back just seized up and that was all she wrote. And I was so bummed out at the situation because like I just said, there's absolutely nothing. It's not like you can uh, fight through it. You just have to deal with it and rest. Well, that's the other thing, William, when your back hurts, you can't get good rest. Like you can't sleep, you can't sit, you can't stand. It's like every position, if your back is really, really uh, not aligned and not prop, not working right, that's the worst part, I think. Like you might be able to play through the pain and whatnot, but the fact that you can't sleep uh, and that you can't rest uh, enough for an athlete, I would think that would be even worse. You know, it's, you know, I mean, we're not well, talking it- about a neck injury, but you know, it's still, I think that is something most people don't consider. And I think that's like very key. Yeah. The back is one of those delicate issues. If you can play through back pain, you don't have back pain. That's my, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So uh, Dennis, Ben Simmons didn't embrace any 76ers players. Is there still animosity there? He did embrace at halftime or do fist bumps with Doc Rivers at halftime, but wasn't Rivers part of the issues and part of the, the personnel slash staff that wanted him out? Well, with Doc Rivers, he's like one of the legendary coaches in the NBA. I believe he was named top 10 head coach, which I don't know if that's true personally. But, you know, he's well-respected, and, and I'm sure that even though Doc Rivers was part of the problem, calling him out, you know, 
he didn't troll him or disparage <laughs> him as bad as Joel Embiid did. So the real issue is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I don't think uh, Ben Simmons is going to burn that bridge with Doc Rivers because you never know. Because Doc Rivers, maybe he joins the Nets or both of them go to another organization. Uh, but as far as like players, yeah, the pettiness, it, it stays for a long time, you know, and, you know, there's a current one between Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And it's like, you guys are old, man. Come on. <laughs> Just like, you know, forget about it. But uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant, they had a long time, you know, rivalry after uh, Shaq left. Um, you know, eventually they, you know, became buddies, but, you know, it usually takes a while. So considering that Simmons and Embiid, this just happened, um, will they ever be friends? Uh, maybe. Will they be cordial? I'm sure. But it's not going to be anytime soon. So the fact that Simmons is not like, you know, giving a pound to anybody is not surprising. I've got to digress here for a moment. Doc Sim or Doc Rivers in the top 10. I mean, how many championships does, that, does, does he have? As a uh, head coach, I mean, I just don't see him anywhere near uh, Pat Riley or uh, uh, right. oh my gosh, who's the big great Boston Celtics head coach? Red Auerbach. Red Auerbach. Yeah. You know, it's like that's Red. a disgrace to every actual multiple head coach title winner to sit there and put Doc Rivers in, in, in that. And 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 you're right, I've never really seen any bad pub about Doc Rivers. He he always comes across as well respected. And John, I mean, he was a player we saw play during the hour you know yeah yeah and and i think it's more just that people like doc rivers for the most part yeah no he's, he's a he's a very positive guy and yeah um you know every player that ever had, you know, has played for him he loves him um and he gets a lot of credibility from those older players you know for right. example kevin garnett kevin garnett goes oh yeah doc rivers is the you know that's he's the man People are going to listen to Kevin Garnett. So, you know, it's a matter of not only getting credibility through his ability, his coaching ability, but it's also from, you know, top line Hall of Fame players. Well, also as a former player, he has credibility too. You know, it's it's, right. it's not like he's a coach who wasn't an NBA player. So the, there's a lot of respect that comes just from having done it. Because when right. when someone who's done it is is trying to tell you something, there's a certain amount of respect they get just for that. Like I used to say, um people will say like who's trent Dilfer? why would anyone care about trent trent Dilfer won a super bowl i don't care if you won it with the best yeah. defense or not he 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 guided a team to the super bowl you can't discount that was he the greatest quarterback no so it's the same thing i think with doc rivers you know like no matter what you may think of him he played on the court he was a good player solid good solid player in his career so i would think that if he's on the court saying this is how you this is how you do a pick and roll and you're not doing it right. That commands, I think a certain amount of respect from players, even the ones that weren't born say when he was on the court. So, right. uh, so to that extent, yeah, but you're right. When you have Auerbach and, uh, Riley and, um, and, uh, Popovich and, and all these guys, uh, is he top 10? No, not if even. He is. He sneaks in at number ten, type of <laughs> thing. You know? that's, that's John being kind, just like every report. I, uh, I don't believe yeah. that he's a nice guy, but he's no. <laughs> if he's top ten, yeah. then, then then I'm King Kong. It's just it's just an impossibility. Yeah. Uh, but real quick, Trent Dilfer was the perfect quarterback for that team 
At that point, Dilfer knew his limitations and was a game manager. And believe it or not, Ray Lewis has nothing but the utmost respect for him. Right. And I'm sure Dan Marino would, wouldn't mind a ring, uh, unlike Dilfer, who has one. All righty, so it's a little bit of trash talk here. What did you think, Dennis, when when the crowd started with, with the uh, Boo Ben night and ended up going – Ben Simmons, Simmons. I mean, cheering him on at the end. Was that a nice touch or was that part of the smack talk that's going to grind on the river, uh, on the uh, 76ers players? Well, I'll tell you this much. The people that were cheering for Ben Simmons, they were not Philly fans. <laughs> there, was actually, there was actually a large contingent of Nets fans there um, as some of them actually travel with the team when it's in the Northeast, uh, you know, visitor games. Um, I mean, that's a, three, that's a three-hour ride to Philly. It's not like it's... Yeah, um, right. It's, it's not, not far at just drive, yeah. Right, but... You know, and this out. was like a playoff game in a way, you know? Oh, uh, it definitely was. Um, shout out to the Brooklyn Brigade real quick. <laughs> but also, no, seriously, that's a group, Brooklyn Brigade. Shout Brooklyn out to them. Um, and then as far as it being like a playoff game, I think it was like the fourth most... Um, sought after ticket, you know, for the Sixers in wow. their franchise history. Wow. It's ridiculous. It was like an all-time game. Well, let's face it, Philly fans are well known <laughs> throughout the world as being some of the most vicious fans on the planet. So yeah. I'm sure no one would pass up an opportunity to go crap on Ben Simmons, right? Uh, after he was vocal about not wanting to play in Philly. Right. I mean, and I'm that- sure all those Philly fans, Dennis took right. it as a personal insult to them, not, not to the team, to them personally, like someone insulted their mothers. Uh, that, so I'm sure that, you know, much like cheering when Michael Irvin got his career ended at the vet, I'm sure it'll be the same thing here. Like they were just like, can we throw batteries? Maybe, please, right. can we? You know, that sort of thing. Right, well, you know, there's two funny things that happened. Um, so before the game, you know, Ben Simmons came out to warm up. You know, he was just warming up. He wasn't playing, obviously. Uh, and he dunked the ball. Mm. And that's when, like, the Philly fans started on him because that was the problem. He didn't dunk the ball during the playoffs against the Hawks. <laughs> you know, and that's how it all started with, like, you were there for a dunk. Why are you passing the ball? So right. during warm-ups, he, he actually dunked the ball. And, <laughs> you know, of course, the Philly fans are going to go in on him for that. Um, yeah, I, I did read that, but but your your point to uh, how it references is very good. I, I, great catch there, Dennis. I love that one. You're right. That 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 not dunk that never the dunk that never happened. I guess was the beginning of the end for Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, I mean that was it right there because immediately after you know during uh, the presser for that game. That's when it all started. Doc Rivers, Joel and B, and you know, just saying stuff. And you know, Ben Simmons. He like I'm a Nets fan, and I'm happy he's on my team. But it's like you got man up, man. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know. Well, you I agree. I agree. There comes a time for these players to man up, especially somebody with Simmons' stature and expectations. All right, let's go to the other side. Yeah, the big superstar James Harden only had 11 points that game. Can the Nets do this to him again if they if they meet down the road, or was this just a fluke? He was off, but, but or, or do they have the ability to shut him down? Well, they know how he plays, so they actually um, plan their defense really well against it. Um, well, can they do it 
every game in a seven game series? Hell no. Can they do it two games out of seven? Maybe. But it's not something where you're going to clamp down James Harden. I mean, he's, he's just too talented. He's one of the best scorers of all time for a reason. Now, okay, that, that, what, if they, what if they got him? What if they got Harden free passes to the strip club the night before the game? Uh, it wouldn't matter because James Harden has proven that he can stay out all night. Even even at this age, you think well, that? No, when he was young, when he was so. young. No, I, 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 when he was young, when he was I, with Brooklyn, he came back all ragged, and I don't think they have an NBA Biagra for him ready to. He's getting right. old, son. He's getting old, son. He can't do that no, anymore. No, I think he can do it because, um, <laughs> no, I was going to say something very misogynistic. Well, you know, you know that's but, what <laughs> you know that's what LT used to do to his opponents, right? I'll take him out. No, he used to send hookers to their hotel room oh. <laughs> the night before the game. Like he, yeah. he admitted in one of his autobiographies, he admitted that, that he would just, he'd figure out who he was playing, like the key offensive guys, and he'd send hookers, prepaid hookers Man. to their hotel rooms to keep them up all night. So that's probably why LT took Coke before the games and come back up after a night with hookers, you know? Hey, yeah. we're, okay. <laughs> oh, but real quick, what was funny is like after, immediately after, the Nets beat the Sixers. James Harden, where was he? He was hanging out with uh, two hip hop artists. Oh, really? Yes. Hey, right hey, honestly, honestly, that that that's a reason I don't think he has a ring. Michael Jordan would be the first to chastise him on that, and and to each their own and how they prepare. And but he's been in the league a dozen years. You think you know? Hey, it's and this goes for work, for sports. For anything in life, there's a time to clamp down when you're in the middle uh, uh, of doing something. And right now, he's on a stretch run to end the season, get a better seed, do well, et cetera, et cetera. Real quick, speaking of the postseason, do you do you know James Harden's track record in the postseason? The reason I ask is, dozen years, no championships. Is some of that attributed on his play? Does his play fall off come postseason? No, I mean, I wouldn't say I mean, he's a catalyst. You know, for whatever team he's, he's been on, he's been the reason they get anywhere. He's the reason they win anything. But, you know, he's basically just been like a, a one-man army, you know. Um, you know, except for the time he had Chris Paul. They went pretty far, but, you know, I, I believe they lost in the Western Conference uh, Finals. Well, I got to so, be honest. In, in team sports, a one-man show will never win at all. I mean, no. that, that I can think of. Uh, what no. about you, John? It's extremely rare. I think the point is, especially in basketball, right? One player is 20% of your team at any given point. That's probably the highest of any team sport, right? So it, I think you get the superstar player. That means you're a playoff team. I think you can make yeah. the playoffs with the superstar player pretty consistently. Um, can you make, but to win the championship? Absolutely not. Because if nothing else for those limited series where you see the same team, three, five, seven games in a row, um, they're going to make a concerted effort to say anyone else can beat us, but not the superstar. Right. So we right, don't care. Right. We don't care if we're tripling the superstar every time up and down the court, let one of the scrubs beat us. That's fine, but we're not going to let the superstar. So that's why it's always important to have that second fiddle and a third fiddle to be able, they don't have to be anywhere near as good, but just enough so that the, the, the superstar isn't hounded 100% of the time, Dennis, right? I mean, um, I'm trying to think like Jordan obviously didn't get his rings until he got Pippen and uh, Oakley and Rodman, right? Until those guys came into the fold, right? Shaq so, didn't get his until he got with Kobe. Penny 
Hardaway just just uh, wasn't a factor in the playoffs enough to overcome a, a two series. You yeah, know that, so it's, you always need that. You need the superstar. I think is the especially now, right? If for no other reason, the superstar becomes your selling point for free agents, and the way free agents are now. <clears throat> Like I, I heard a, a story once, someone, I, I'm not sure if it was that they asked Bird or they asked uh, Magic Johnson or somebody, they said, back in your day, would, would you have gotten together with uh, like, uh, would Jordan, Bird and Johnson gotten together and said, hey, let's all go to this one team so we could win the championship. And I think the person who was talking said, no, those three, those three would probably stab each other if they were that close together in the off season. Like, there was such a competitive fire back then. We're talking 30, 40 years ago. There was such a competitive fire. There was no such thing as teaming up to win a championship. It was like, I'm winning it on my own. F you guys, you know, eat my dust, right? So, but well, now- well, Big John, Big John though, you got to realize the salary cap has changed and has increased and has opened up and has created, I mean, we're talking massive salaries now. So you're able to do that back in the early days or, or when teams were building a nucleus or their strategy through the draft, that wasn't even thought of. Now it's a well, quick well, fix. It was starting to, I mean, Dennis can hit me. Be, I mean, what's the, what's the exception to the cap? It's the, it's the Larry Bird rule. They did it. They, they created a rule just so the Celtics could keep Larry Bird. Okay, they created a rule for him. Okay, so it was happening back then. It just wasn't as prime. But I'm saying but that's the was, whole point. It was happening with limited players. Now you can literally look what the Houston Heat did. They not, brought in you, a mean, whole uh, bunch. you mean the, uh, the Miami, the Miami Heat? But uh, what I'm yeah. saying, no, what I meant to say is that the players themselves are not philosophically against teaming up. Like it used to be that each one of those guys thought they were the best. Jordan thought he was the best. Johnson thought he was the best. Bird thought he was the best. Uh, Jabbar thought he was the best. So those guys would never team up in order to get, like they wouldn't conspire to be on the same team in order to win the championship. They were out to win right. one themselves. So Dennis, I don't think you would ever get what we saw with Miami when they got LeBron and um, Dwayne Wade and uh, who's the third guy? Uh, Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh, right? So you would never like, or, or, Where's the announcement? Let's have an announcement show of where LeBron is going. See, but now I think you do need to have that given today's NBA. So if you get the superstar player, like you have a James Harden, right, or, or an Embiid, that becomes your, your PR move for getting the other free agents to come in. And they'll figure out a way to make the money work, right? So because um, the NBA cap is really one of the most ridiculous caps in all of organized sports, right? Like for the most part, does the cap prevent anybody from signing anyone? Honestly, if a team is is hell bent on signing someone, Dennis, there's uh, always yeah. exceptions. You, you, can go, you can go over the cap. You know, you can go over the luxury cap, um, but you will pay. So let's say you're over the the luxury cap. Um, for every dollar you spend, the tax is three dollars. So if you're signing someone for four million, you're really signing up for twelve million. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so what you're saying is really, it, but, but it still benefits say big market teams or owners with deep pockets where they don't care as long as they get the championship right. and then they get the, they, they get the marketing return on it. it, it it's still a, it's a smart move, but in order to do that, you have to have a reason for these players to come to your team. Like, especially the ones that you feel are the keys to you winning. Right. So right. theoretically, theoretically, yeah, it doesn't always, work. but again, I, I still hold correct. 
it, it, it's so prevalent today because of the cap and the way it's been changed and the way it's used. And you're right. It may have been the Larry Bird rule that started it, but it, uh, the final comment on that before I ask Dennis a couple more questions is that uh, we're also in an era where free agency comes first. Before in the old days, you were drafted by a team, became loyal. That team tried to keep you. Now it's, I've been drafted by this team. I've got X amount of years till I become a free agent and the big contract comes to me. So the loyalty is not there from day one, but it is there to uh, their, their, their potential new contract and without a second stop. Plus, with the expansion, who wants to live in Toronto when L.A. beckons? That's, that was a big draw for Shaq. Who wants to live in Orlando when I can go to L.A. in that world? But anyway, Je uh, Dennis, uh, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, they were part of the big trade. How are they doing? You, you mentioned that they're doing pretty well. Yeah, no, they're doing really well. Last, I mean, the, the funny part about um, the Sixers trading Seth Curry, or as I like to call him, TLC, the other Curry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the funny part is – the Nets needed a shooter, so they gave him one, Seth Curry. They needed a rebounder and an inside presence, and they gave him one in Andre Drummond. So it's sort of like, are you trying to win or are you trying to let the Nets win? You know, if Ben Simmons ever comes back and he comes back healthy, you also gave him a defensive stopper. Now, you have the best chemistry because you have two superstars that can score at will, basically. You know, we saw Kyrie Irving drop 50. We saw Kevin Durant drop 53. We saw Kyrie Irving once again dropping 60 last night. You know, you had scores. So they didn't really need a James Harden. They needed a defensive stopper. And I was, was going to say that. Table. Yeah, that chemistry now seems a lot better, right? Like, assuming, well, they, have, they have to be healthy and they have to be. That's what I'm chemistry. saying. Assuming theoretically, Simmons, yeah. yes. Assuming Simmons comes back, assuming that Irving doesn't have to play in Brooklyn where he can't play because he's unvaccinated. Um, it seems like the Nets really are better suited to winning now than when they had Harden. As, as goofy as that may sound, uh, for the reasons you outlined, Dennis, I think the Nets are a stronger team now. Um, well, well, let's healthy. put it this way. They, sh they should be a stronger team come the playoffs, assuming uh, Simmons is back. And right. at least for half the games, like we said, um, so when Kyrie Irving is, is not allowed in the building, right? Because the Nets got fined just for having him in the locker room in Brooklyn, I think. Or in, uh, no, it was at Madison Square Garden, right? So, no, um, it was a, uh, yeah, it was ridiculous, though. Yeah, of course it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. It's ridiculous because the rule makes no sense. At right, this it, was point. At, it was at Barclays Center. It was a, oh, it was a bar. Okay. But my point is now, when, when Irvin is benched, which is for half the games, basically, plus any games they play in Canada, uh, who steps in for him? And is he the right, is he not the better fit, but is he a good fit? For this revamped Nets, Who's that? are you talking about Simmons fitting in? No, I'm saying who who steps in for Irving when he's on the bench. Okay, so uh, you can't replace a star play, a superstar player like that. So what's been happening is you have a Patty Mills, a Goran Dragic stepping up. Uh, you know, you have someone like James Johnson stepping up. You know, down in the forward spot, uh, people are like you know up in their game and scoring their points. But, you know, maybe they're adding 20 points, whereas Irving, you know, he'll add 30. So, you know, but, you know, it's, it's a different type of game right. um, when Irving's on the court. You know, it's faster paced. Uh, the defense has to play uh, Kevin Durant straight up. 
you know, right, if, right, right. If Irving's not on the court, they could double you know, Kevin right, yeah. easily. Um, in fact, that was what the Dallas Mavericks were doing tonight. They were just jumping them. So instead of forcing the ball, the superstar KD is, uh, I think he finished with uh, like 11 assists. You know, he's finding an open man, you know, so. That's the sign of a good team player, by the way, as well. Oh, no, he's, he's, he's an excellent team player. I love Kevin Durant as a player. I, I Like what he did in last year's playoff run, even though they fell short against the Bucs. Yeah. Oh, man, I became a KD fan after that series. And maybe you could say, why did it take you so long? But I really, really tuned into him being a really great player, not just a good player. To William's point earlier, like yeah. that's when Durant, in my mind, went from really good to effing great was that yeah. that and, well, and it's funny how many of that how often that happens in defeat right like Durant to me showed greatness in defeat and um you know what was it a big toe on the line and who knows how that series would have yeah, turned out right so his shoe size was one size smaller <laughs> yes exactly or half a size smaller won. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they would have won with that three pointer with a three pointer but I mean you know he's regarded as like one of the not even one of he that the best scorer in the NBA um, you know, you have Kareem, obviously, who has, you know, the most points, but it was off of one shot. It was off the hook, whereas Kevin Durant can score in a whole bunch of different ways. You know, short <laughs> corner, three-point line, taking it but to the hoop. It's does it really matter? If, if you couldn't stop the hook, it doesn't matter yeah. what his no, repertoire no, that's is. That's what I'm saying. All you like, had to do is one shot. Right, right. No, I mean, you could say that Kareem Abdul, like, yeah, he's, you know, the best, you know, scorer because he has the most points. But from like the eye test, the you know skill wise, Kevin Durant. I mean, no, no, no I agree. I agree. It, it's just the old point. It's like, well, if it wasn't for the fact that Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls, he wouldn't be the goat. It's like, well, right. it, it's it's one of those points that that you really can't argue because that was the same way. I'm like, stop the shot, you know, right. when I'd be rooting for the Celtics when they played him, and it was just it was just next impossible. But some teams did. Uh, Big John, it's yeah. good to see you coming to my side of things. I didn't say much because basketball is not my forte. But I thought the Nets got the better end of the deal because it's a team sport. But my logic was it was a bit flawed because I thought it'd be more Ben Simmons fitting in nicely. He hasn't stepped on the field, but it, but, but the two pickups uh, uh, fitting in nicely with the team ball. And that's why uh, I, I'm not shocked that Harden has doesn't have, a, in my opinion, a title yet because he's an individual superstar. I don't think he's grasped the concept of a team sport in every facet, meaning on the field or on, on the court and off the court. Dennis, uh, before we let you go. Oh, hold on, I, just, I have to contest that. Because last year, um, when Harden was on the Nets, he was a great team player. Um, he no, no, like, no, maybe, but did he stick yeah. around? Was he willing to stick around well, to, to, that, to see the fruition? That's right. part of the process of greatness. It doesn't come overnight. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Developed and he lost patience. He did, because... Kyrie wasn't vaccinated because James Harden knows in order to win the title, he needed Kyrie next to him along with KD. So, you know, that's the basic gist of why Harden wanted out because he does want the ring. He's hungry for the ring. Well, um, every player is, every player is, but, but at the end of the day, greatness takes patience at times and he didn't want to figure out a way to win with Kyrie Irving. He's running out of time. That's yeah. the problem. And yeah. right now, who's what's it look right now? Brooklyn or Philadelphia? They had to square out for seven games. I'm being rhetorical, but my point uh, is, is... Is everybody healthy? 
but that's that's our professional leagues are a league of attrition you know that's right. every i mean we can if 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 everybody was healthy at the start of the 2021 nfl season would we be talking the refs giving the rams the super bowl <laughs> right. Anyway, though. Uh, so, uh, well, I, I would say if Kyrie Irving, nah, see, because that's another if. In a seven game series, I'd give it in a seven game series, I'd give it to the Sixers. Okay. Just because Simmons hasn't played yet and Kyrie Irving can only play half the games. So. Yeah, I do have a concern with Simmons. Y'all, uh, uh, I don't know if you're assuming, but I'm not assuming he's going to integrate into that offense smoothly. I mean, there's he's th- he's got a long way to go based off how he played the final series uh, what, almost two years ago now and uh, 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 not playing with these guys and, and, and learning the chemistry, the nuances. I, I'm not so sure he's going to be able to fit in as quickly as, as people. I think he'll be more of a situational player, you know, who, who they hope can contribute. I mean, well, he has potential for more, but but if you're winning and dominating, you can get Irving on the court, then why rock the boat? Uh, 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 actually, I'm wrong by saying not rock the boat. What I'm trying to say is if he comes in and it takes time for the chemistry, you're gonna. I think you'll see the Nets pull him back into a situational role uh, uh, until they feel comfortable. Uh, I think they'd start him, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because he's played with Seth Curry before. Seth Curry starts. Uh, ben Simmons only needs shooters around him, and he's going to have that. KD, Kyrie, Seth Curry, like I said. Um, so his game has always been about his athleticism and his vision and uh, his ability to to run the floor. It, you know, it's never about his half court offense. And I think the Nets are smart enough to know, like. We're not running any sets for you because he's not going to do anything, but he will make them run. He will he dunk? Will he dunk? That's the question. Yeah, well that, yeah, that's a, that's the question now. And you don't know? forget, it's his defense too. Right. I mean, that's he, what they really need. Yeah, his defense creates offense. I mean, so. let's true. That's very true. Most people don't say that. Harden was an Ole defender. <laughs> you know, it was just uh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Ole, all the way to the all yeah. the way to the hoop, my friend. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a horrible perimeter defender. Yeah, but by metrics, he's one of the best uh, post defenders. So, you know, there's not any there, but he was hardly ever in the post. But um, if he ever switched off, he could. Uh, so what was he like? Defender. Two for two in the post uh, on stops or something? No, no, he's, he's actually really he's really good in the post. He's he's a big he's a big guy. Right. Right. Yeah, but on the perimeter, forget about it. He's like his feet get stuck. <laughs> like, so he's running, like he's running in quicksand, right? Oh yeah, worse, man. It's like ready to solid concrete and his feet are in there when it dried. <laughs> so Dennis, how what does the Asian wonder think of the final playoff stretch here? And who do you think is gonna sneak in and who do you think should be in, but will he be booted out? Um I, who's the Asian wonder? Are you talking about me? I don't oh, like yeah. a whole bunch of things, man. I'm a mutt. Uh, so, you know, represent, uh, uh, the Spaniards too, because my grandfather's from Spain. So I, I'm, I'm not Latasian because there's nothing in Latin America, but anyway, uh, let's see. I think I like that. Latasian. Yeah. But I'm not Latasian because I'm not from Latin America, but I can say I'm Hispanic because it's Spanish. Listen, all you got to do is say you're Latinx because the uh, loves that. Uh, <laughs> Even Dennis is like, no, no. So, so who do you see uh, uh, sneaking in possibly? And who do you see possibly getting bounced out that would be a surprise on both sides? Well, uh, in the Eastern Conference, the way it is now, I think it's going to stay the same where you have the Raptors, the Nets, 
the Hornets and the Hawks in the uh, play-in um, positions. That's going to stay the same. Uh, the Wizards are making a run. The New York Knicks are definitely not making a run. Um, however, in the West, uh, it's probably going to be the same thing. <laughs> You're going to have the four playing right now. I think it's the Timberwolves, Clippers, Lakers, and the Pelicans. They'll all make the play-in. Uh, there's not going to be anyone coming from behind, I, I don't believe. Portland Trailblazers, they would have been a possibility, I would say, if Dame Lillard was healthy, if uh, Anthony Simons was healthy, but they're not. Um, so the way that is positioned right now, I think it, that's the way it's going to end up. There's some ability for uh, the Nets and the Raptors to move up and take that sixth spot over the Cleveland Cavaliers where they wouldn't have to be in the play-in. But yeah, I don't see it happening because just the way that the season is playing out now, the season's almost over, everyone's already in a rhythm. Um, it's just going to be how it is now. If you look on the standings right now, that's how I believe it's going to end up being um, at the end of the regular season. Well, Dennis, and with that, we want to let our audience know that Dennis is our man and we'll be back right after the final seedings well not right after but shortly after the final seedings come into play to give us his favorites for the playoffs to tell you who you're looking at to make the best bets along with big john and some prop bets big john any final words for our good friend mr velasco yeah i would like uh big dv over there to tell me like did i notice anybody doing the cover of slam uh this this week Oh, yeah, that's baby boy. That's my son, <laughs> Paulin Velasco. He's a slam intern. and did all the, He did all the graphics for the uh, NCAA tournament. For good Gulf stuff. I, I checked it out. It was good stuff. Yeah. Uh, he did some of the March Madness stuff, right? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when are we, listen, man, when are you retiring so we can get the kid on the podcast? I'm like one of those old men that believe they can still uh, bench press 300 pounds. So it ain't never going to happen. <laughs> So, so you're one of these old guys that everybody in politics, the youth complain that they're taking my job because they won't retire. I'm with you, brother. Look, I know enough where I'm old school, like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be extinct soon. You know, the hardcore sort of manly men, like, don't get me wrong, <laughs> you know, props to, to everybody, but you know, just like the old school way of thinking is definitely going away. And yeah, I won't get into politics here or anything. <laughs> Let me stop well, there. <laughs> we will leave it at that. And we will bid adieu to the Doc Rivers of sports grumblings. Dennis no, no, we were just like bashing Doc Rivers. <laughs> I got to be the Greg Popovich. So, so hold on. So, so comparing you to uh, one of the nicest head coaches in the NBA is bashing Doc Rivers? Yeah, no, look, no, because we were like totally like uh, saying, "Now Doc Rivers ain't top 10. So you, are you saying I'm not top ten? There's, th no, there's two I'm people. Saying Doc Rivers there's two is people one of the right now in sports grumbling. I'm not top ten. I'm at least three. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> No, I'm saying you're one of the nicest guys we have. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a nice guy till you mess around with me. <laughs> I can, oh yeah, I can attest to that. All right, all right. The, no, I'm not, even, I'm not gonna compare you to Greg Popovich. That guy's a, a, a dumb. How about the Pat Riley? 
Oh, yeah. Hold on a minute. Where's the oil? I got to sneak back in my head. <laughs> there you go. Everybody, Mr. Dennis Velasco. Dennis, until next time. All right, Thank you so much. Catch you next time, you fellas. Have a great show. You got it. All right. That was Dennis Velasco, William, uh, coming on once again to give us some uh, NBA, NBA knowledge. Uh, always like having Dennis around. He's one of the good ones. And uh, the next time we have him on, maybe we'll have him regale us with some old sports grumblings war stories like we did with Tim McCullough. Uh, he was back in the day. And I'll throw this out for you. A lot of people don't realize it. Um, Dennis came to me when I had started sports grumblings, you know, like many of my writers did uh, through email, you know, like, hey, take a look at this. Can I write for your site type of thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, I brought Dennis on. He was always a talented writer, knew his stuff. His his forte was basketball, of course. Um, but uh, fast forward a couple of months into his gig with, with us, and I come to find out that, hey, he's a New Yorker. You know, he's, he's from New York. The more I talk to Dennis, and it's one of those things that you, you would find in the sitcom, come to find out he lived like three minutes from where I lived. Like we were basically neighbors and we never knew it until in, in a, a city of 8 million people. What are the odds? Every time we watch a show, I'm always yeah. uh, sarcastically joking. Yeah. What are the odds the cop get that tip or what are the odds the, the killer's right next door? Right. It happens in real life. And then it happens all the time. So he had to, and then, and then we got tight on a friendly basis because then we would hang out, we'd go do stuff, you know, you there's good. a lot talk about with NFL free agency. We're going to touch on a couple of the major signings over the last couple of days sure. and revisit one. So Big John, talk to me about Von Miller to the Bills. I personally think the fact that, that, that and I keep calling them McVay. I had to go back and update some articles today. Uh, McDermott and Frazier have yet to take accountability or responsibility for their 13-second debacle. However, actions speak louder than words, and I think they are going to calm the fears of fans going into the uh, season with the Von Miller signing. And why is that? Well, listen, I love that signing. Look, Von Miller has become the Charles Haley of our time of this generation. If you want to think of him that way, he's a pass rusher. Pass rushers will always be in demand. As long as you can get to the quarterback, if that's the only thing you do on the football field, nothing else, don't give a rat's butt. If the guy plays the run, if he, he's a linebacker who doesn't have to worry about pass coverage, nothing, right? Right. The, the matter also is, is that Von Miller is a winner. You talk about people who elevate the players around them. Listen, what got the Rams over the hump? You could talk Matt Stafford, and perhaps justifiably so, he played a big role in that victory for the Rams. Don't underestimate what Von Miller did for that team. Not only did he provide a presence off the edge, it made Aaron Donald better. It made exactly. Leonard Floyd better. It made their, it made Jalen Ramsey better. So the fact that Miller, now the Bills, as I think you and I can agree, probably one of the top three, four most talented teams, especially on offense. They have one of the great young up-and-coming quarterbacks. I mean, him and Mahomes and Herbert in the AFC are probably going to be battling each other for the next 10 years, as long as they're healthy, right? Right, so, right, right. So I, I, I love the Von Miller move to Buffalo. To me, Von Miller was a hired hand to a team like any team that made it to, to, the, to the conference championship. So whether it was the 
uh, the the Chiefs, the Bills, um, uh, the the Buccaneers. You know, a team that came just close that just needs that one little player, whether it's on defense or offense. Get a Von Miller because that guy's a winner. You right. got, so I love the move for Buffalo. Was it thirteen million bucks? Nothing. Pay it. Get him it's on the a team. Six-year, one hundred twenty million dollar deal. It, it, it's front. It, it, it's backloaded. Yeah, it, it, so it, he'll it, never it, see the end of it. Yeah, it's full of avoidable years, so you could get out of it after one or two years. But, but I love I agree. That. I, I love agree, John. It's yeah. uh, uh, they don't make it to the Super Bowl without Von Miller. No matter how what, what Von Miller allowed them to do is overcome their mistakes, their errors. Yeah. That yes. final piece to where we screwed it up here. We got Von Miller. He'll get us that sack and help us get the ball back next go yep. round. And, and he freed up Aaron Donald. Without Von Miller, I don't think they make it to the big dance to have the refs give them the game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, you, you keep saying that, of course. But yeah, like uh, I agree with you 100. I think the Von Miller thing was was a fabulous signing, even if it was a rental. They it, it got their ring. That's all they got him for half a season, and they got yeah, their ring. and that, that's, that's his second all. ring. That's his second ring. That's his that's, second one. But the, the it was, Haley reference is, is uh, right on point. Haley was a, was that stud rusher a mercenary. Okay, Raheem Moster to the Dolphins. Is that how you pronounce his name? Moster. Moster. Moster? Yeah, Moster. Moster. Raheem Moster. What I remember about him, the reason I brought him up is, you know, he's looked good, but he's injury prone. However, yeah. he had that 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 performance. In the NFC Championship game with 220 yards and four touchdowns in the win over the Packers that took them to the Super Bowl where they eventually lost to the Chiefs. But that really, I mean, I, you can't forget that. How do you see him being used by the Dolphins, and do you think this is a good fit? Well, I don't know if it's a good fit or not, but it's, a, it's worth the gamble, let's put it like that. Because, look, I think the more important signing for the Dolphins was Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds going to Miami. Uh, to be their running back, presumably. But I'll tell you one thing, it means Miles Gaskin probably isn't going to be around over there. Uh, amongst... yeah, uh, Big John, yeah. uh, they ran an RB by committee, though, in San Francisco with their new head coach. Well, that was, was, that was going to be my point, right? Okay. The, the RB by committee, and, and of course, now the head coach of the Dolphins came from San Francisco, right? So the key was that uh, if you recall, William, there was a time when the Denver Broncos seemed to be churning out these fifth, sixth fourth round running backs and they would all be thousand yard rogers oh yeah uh, it was a mike anderson um um terrell davis terrell davis and there was another one there was a couple of them it seemed like whoever they put in that backfield so that means it's one of oh, two oh, things that's because of that what was it called big john the people need to find out that that zone that the zone that, that blocking, terrible zone blocking right right which that's is now largely illegal now, right? But thank goodness yeah so my point being is if you were to just follow the stats you would say wow the coaching staff, the scouting team on the for the Broncos must be amazing. They know how to draft running backs. No, they they love what they call a one and done runner, meaning one cut downhill, no running sideways. That's one cut downhill. That's right. right. One cut downhill, and they knew that. Give it, and what did they always put a premium on back then? The offensive line and guys, yeah, the, 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 the chop blockers, the chop blockers, guys who could <laughs> it was move illegal. Out. That was an illegal block. Right, right, right. It helped with the one cut back. Right, but it was also that they had to get the right type of lineman to do right blocks. Right. So they, if you remember back then, the Broncos linemen weren't these huge behemoths like the Washington Hogs or something, or the Cowboys lines. Right. It was these, you know, they were still big men compared to me and you. But they were mobile. They can move around. And that was it. Like the runner didn't have time because they couldn't hold their blocks. Right. It would be like 
one lane, one cut. This is where I'm supposed to go. If it's there, great. If it's not, I'm going down for a two-yard gain, and that's it, right? So I think the 49ers ran something similar because if you think about all the guys they've had back there, Tevin Coleman, Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell uh, Jeff Wilson, um, Mostert, all these guys. Well, well, big John, though. So what you're saying is Mike McDaniel, the new coach who came, who was the uh, – passing coordinator something like that uh, uh but he he helped run the offense in san francisco he's going to employ uh, uh the, the, that zone one block defense or offense I, yeah i think they're going to run the same type of game that's what he's had success with so i don't think Mostert is anything more than uh, a chess piece in that do you think he's a value pick come fantasy football draft no not right now no, no. i think no. i think edmonds is i think the one we're missing is edmonds I oh, think, no, no, I, I'm not arguing that. It's just right, uh, 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 most of And also, so, like, you know what will be interesting? If they keep, if they keep say, Duke Johnson and let Gaskin go, or, see, to me, you'll know the tenor of the running backs by that. Gaskin is much more of a, like, sure-handed three-and-a-half yards and a cloud of dust guy, and he's pretty good with his hands out of the backfield. He caught a couple of touchdowns last year. That's why I think the uh, RB by committee is how they'll start. And obviously, and this would have happened in San Francisco, yeah. in any team, if a player emerges, you run with a hot hand. And, and, and that's kind of how I see and that. And look, for the Niners last year, who was their best running back? It was Debo Samuel. It was a wide yeah. receiver, right? Exactly. So, so, and that's I mean, my whole point. Yeah. You go with a hot hand, and people don't do – RBs by committee by choice. Every team would love a bell cow, but those they just with today's fast and furious NFL and the defense and the hitting, it's next to impossible. Well, it's so. also a fallout of the financial implications, right? Because you're not investing as much to get most teams are not investing high first round picks or any first round picks on running backs anymore. Oh, um, well, yeah, look, look at the Super Bowl reps. There exactly. was no big name uh, RB uh, on that. And a couple of years ago when there was the, the kid with the Rams who uh, the uh, ACL Terry guy at the uh, end. The Gurley, Todd Gurley. Gurley, Todd Gurley. He was a big bell cow uh, back who kind of vanished in the second half. Granted, he had injuries, but, but you're absolutely right. All right, Big John, I hate to uh, uh, push you along here, but uh, Moster really does not have the greatest of fantasy value, but Russell Wilson does. Look, I'm bringing Russell Wilson up because he had his press conference today. And he, he had a couple of comments that, that really struck to the heart of, of gossip as well as to the heart of his longevity. Right. One, he said that the Seahawks and him wanted this move. They, they, they were ready for him to move on. The Seahawks, literally everybody from, from the head coach to the owner said, no, 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 no. This was what Russell Wilson wanted. Why do you think Russell Wilson would say that? Because I believe the owners and, and you don't give up on a franchise. Uh, I have my belief, but I want to hear yours, Big John. Look, I, I don't think any of us will really know how that played out, but I think there was, look, there's been a lot of players with that animosity in Seattle recently. Like you look at Earl Thomas, right? The way he left uh, Seattle, very bitter when he got hurt and flipped off his own team on the card, on the, cart, on the way off the field, uh, Sherman as well. So um, there, it's not like the Seahawks have been a fountain of brotherly love, right? So that's the right. one thing to keep in mind. The second thing is Russell Wilson, has a bit of a reputation as being this super nice guy. He's married to what's her name, Ciara. They're they're like a very uh, Christian, God fearing man. He yes. wears it on his sleeve. Yeah. So I'm not going to question his faith or question his sincerity, but at the very least, 
that's his image, right? I'm not saying it's phony, but I'm saying that's his image. Hey, hey, you know what, John, you bring up a very good point, and I need to, to, to state this because the problem with the uh, at least America is they believe Christians, the good God-fearing Christians, are just super nice. There's not a mean bone, or there shouldn't oh, be a mean no. bone, or they're not Christian. My take, remember the Crusades? You do not have to be that type of person, and I think Russell does have an image maintained, and that may be why he said it, hoping, hey, we're not going to sit there and say, I want it out and make them look bad, vice versa. But I do think, <coughs> excuse me, the Seattle brass took a front to that. But I also believe Russell Wilson wanted out because they oh. were they were in that quagmire that, that the Cowboys always find themselves. Not an elite team, but yet they're not a rebuilding process. They're in the middle. And the other thing I want to comment on is I followed, being here in Southern Cal, I followed Pete Carroll, and he destroyed the USC program, and he left a lot of bitterness, and I think people run out of patience with Carroll. That's what, he left before he was going to be part of the hammer falling. Right. He is the poster child for you need to punish the coach who leaves a program right before the sanctions come down. And that's what I see in Carroll. He just burns bridges, not because they dislike each other. It just runs their course with him. And I think that's what may have happened with Wilson. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I look, I mean, I mean, it, it seems to me like Pete Carroll is the type of guy who says, look, this is my team. We do things my way. You know, that's all there is to it. So as much as he may have respected Russell Wilson, as much as I think he may have gotten along with Russell Wilson as a person, it's hard to see someone not getting along with uh, Russell Wilson. Um, maybe the just, Look, they got a haul, right? They got a haul. They got picks. They got players they could start right away. If you were going for a rebuild, if you're Seattle, you got a great jump in one season. Now, no, that is true. I mean, even Drew Locke. I mean, uh, I think the jury's still out on him. Yeah. I don't think, I, I'm sorry, but Denver has not shown me in the past couple of decades they can develop a QB. Agreed. Agreed. They, they, they rent their QBs. Um, the, the final thoughts on him he is 33 years old. Quote. My goal is to play 10 or 12 more years and hopefully win three or four more Super Bowls. Well, that's the problem with someone like Tom Brady, right? Like he, he's put it in the head of every quarterback that can play into their 40s. And if they can, God bless them. Um, <laughs> but I will say one thing. Like and every year I, do an, I write an article about the analysis, uh, do uh, the effects of age and, and study the, the trends of the age per position per player in the NFL. Um, and the NF, the quarterback position has been the production has been steadily growing as you go deeper into the 30s. Um, right, right. And, and do you think part of that is because they now wear skirts? And I'm being serious with that term. That's what a lot of the old school people got today's quarterback. Yeah. I think well, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, there's no doubt that the the relaxation of how much you can kill a quarterback um, contributes to them being effective. Um, Remember the play in the play. I want to say it was. The playoffs was towards the end of the season and had playoff implications of Jim McMahon for the Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, the guy, uh, uh, the 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 Bears lineman after it, after the whistle blew, after the whistle him up and slammed him on his head. Yeah, right. it just shoulder. It was heavily yeah, shoulder. Heavy it was like a suplex in the WWE. Okay, my question to you is: Would that guy get kicked out of the league now versus He'd just be suspended for at least? Four games, if not a year. I'm thinking uh, easily a year, you know. So do you think he can make it for another 10 to 12 years? 
I mean, barring injury, I don't see why not. Maybe not, maybe not 12, maybe eight to 10, I would say. I, I think any QB that takes her health as seriously as Tom Brady does, and, and the reason I say does, uh, 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 can do that, the problem is Tom Brady, when it came to his health, how he ate, all that, he was uh, an outlier. Oh, he's maniacal. He's maniacal yeah. about his but health look, and his nutrition. He's, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, to be quite frank. But he's earned every accolade he's Oh, got. agreed, agreed. I'm not a big fan either as a New York uh, as well, a New Yorker, but yeah. Let's I go back to that. that. Let's go back to that. Then uh, we just briefly touch on Tom Brady. I just we're in the free agency segment here. Uh, uh, some quick comments on his unretirement. Does that help keep free agents in Tampa Bay? Does that help oh, lure bigger free agents in Tampa absolutely. Bay? And where do you see him uh, falling with fantasy football drafts? And are the a lot of questions? And are the Bucks? the favorite from the NFC to make the Super Bowl now? I don't know if they're the favorite, but they're one of the favorites. And um, what does it mean that he's coming back? Look, it's not like he had a, an average year last year. No. When he retired, he was at the top of his game, one of his best seasons. So it's not like he had a decline in skills. Um, they, he's still at the top of his game, brother. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, do, so is Gronk coming back? That's another one, right? I mean, now that... Now that Brady's back, will Gronk come back? I know he said he's willing to to separate from him, but we'll see. Will, will Antonio Brown? Come? <laughs> they need to replace Antonio Brown, obviously, right? Um, Chris Godwin isn't a replacement for him. No, well, well they, I'm a, see. I take it as a given that he had three great receivers. He had Evans, Godwin, and Brown at, at one. Right, point. right, right. You're right. So, Evans could be a number right? one. Right. So, so he has two good ones, which is one more than Rogers has, for example. Right. Yeah. So, so and Rogers doesn't even have that one right now. Right. Right. And look, they're they're not having back the entire team because for the first time in history, the Bucks brought back their entire starting squad after a Super Bowl win, right? That's right. never happened before. Now they get him back. So we'll see what happens. But look, they already picked up Shaq oh, Mason, oh, oh. right? Big already... Why did that happen that they were able to bring back their whole team? I mean, oh, I'm being rhetorical. But, but well, we know why, because Brady got paid, but he, got, but, he, but he took a team-friendly contract to allow them to yeah. sign key players. Because yeah. at his age, Look, what, how much more money realistically can Brady look for? But, but isn't I mean? that the same question for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, they're oh, not great. that yeah, yeah. Look, look, you would think that it would be the opposite, right? right? You would think that the guy who has seven rings would be, just pay me, just pay me and I'll That's do it. Right? But you would think that the guy without a, without seven rings, he only got one ring. You would think if Rodgers would be like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll take a team-friendly contract so I could keep Devontae Adams, who, by the way, isn't. It says he's not going to play under the franchise tag. And FYI, if you if you follow Sports Grumblings on Twitter, you would have seen our tweet uh, highlighting that Devontae Adams is saying, when am I going to get mine? 12 right. on his. I'm this, he goes, I love him, but I, he, he did me dirty, basically, right? Well, so, I wouldn't say that he did him dirty as much as well, maybe he didn't, the he perception didn't of, what, of what they thought he would do. Look, I don't fault Aaron Rodgers, but there are ramifications. And part yeah. of the ramifications is what Devontae Adams wants, his payday. And for the record, if I'm Devontae Adams, I hold out for as long as possible. Because unlike QBs, his shelf life is, is much shorter. Right. And yeah. when receivers and RBs start to deteriorate, it goes quick because you cannot teach speed. Right. You know? And so so I hope he does hold out and gets what he wants. Because the, and we'll talk about this maybe or maybe or maybe not. 
But there's a lot of history with Aaron Rodgers and how he's treated his fellow players and all that. And when the time is right, nothing sinister. It's just when Aaron Rodgers gets to the back of the news cycle again. uh, 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 And and by the way, William, to your point today, breaking news, uh, Julio Jones was cut by the Titans a year after they traded for him. That's next on my uh, my list. Fair enough. Okay, Julio Jones is a post-June 1st cut. Since you threw it at me, I'm going to take Go ahead, take it, baby. Take it, baby. I never like to trade. When it comes to hamstring injuries and receivers, it never gets better. It gets progressively worse. And if they're not injured, they're thinking about getting injured, and their numbers tend to dip. Especially at that age. Exactly. Julio Jones had his worst season. He had the season I predicted. He had the season, if I owned him on any dynasty leagues, I would have made a killing trading him away. I agree. they that they was it was wasted money they could have used on somebody else and not just for the receiver position uh maybe they could have built around uh laura i mean hell it's not that their offensive line was that bad it's just maybe they needed a better one to give an average qb even more time to throw but the point is is julio jones was a 32 year old old man when he got to that team and now he's a 33 year old uh older man he finished the season with 48 targets for 434 yards and one TD, all career lows. Well, he was hurt all year, too. He, he was but, but hold on. He's always hurt. So being hurt is a given for Julio right. Jones. Well, you let's know? face it. Also, Julio Jones, to, look, I, it, it always pains me being old enough to remember when these guys were the young studs, right? Julio Jones was one of the greatest receivers I ever saw play. He was a stud, man. Sure, but when healthy, though, his no, no, agreed, were there agreed. from the get-go. Yeah, the last two, three seasons, though, you're right. It's obvious. Look, you know who you know who the parallel is to him? A.J. Green. A.J. Green, when he got hurt on the Bengals, hurt his knee, his career was basically over. People were, like I saw a lot of fantasy experts predict, oh, now that he's with the Cardinals, he's playing opposite. It was the exact same situation as Julio Jones had playing opposite A.J. Brown. A.J. Green was playing opposite DeAndre Hopkins. And people said, hey, in those WR2 roles, they're going to thrive. They're going to do this, going to do that. Sorry, it didn't happen for either one of them. Uh, you're right. At that age, when you're coming off injuries to your legs, any type of injury, an Achilles, a knee, an ACL, an MCL, well, LCL. Big John, 10 years, years. 10 years, only four seasons he was able to play 16 games. Right, I agree with you. But, yeah. he, but that was because he took a lot of punishment. Oh, man, some of those hits. Maybe he so. Maybe so. But when, when it's a – and this is the ugly part of football that fans don't like to hear. When it's a right. business – and, and as when I'm doing projections or used to do, I factored in injuries. I created a simple formula to predict uh, how many games they would miss uh, because there, there came a point where I'm like, look, when this player is missing anywhere from two to five, six right. games a year, that's got to be calculated in the projections. People are no longer uh, 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 insulating us or keeping us from criticism when we go, well, our projections are over 16 games. Yeah, but he's only played 12 for the last four. You know, so so the Julio Jones that has to be taken in consideration, and it's a reason why the Titans were sitting at home. Agreed. This Agreed. year, in fact, but and he's also going to be a post first post June first cut. The Titans saved nine point five million in cash and salary cap space, and the move spreads the cap hit over two years, leaving eight point four million in dead money. So the final caveat before we move on from Julio Jones is he's still going to be a nightmare for this team. Eight point four million of dead money is not chump change it's not chump change but they're better off getting rid of them now saving the nine now seeing if they could get somebody else in there but 
I don't know who's left at this point. All right, Big John. Let's move to our pop culture segment of the day. And we have two quick topics. Sure. We're going to stick around with the NFL free agency and just call it the NFL pop culture segment. Carl Nassib. Mm. Now, the reason I bring Carl Nassib out is because he was the first openly gay NFL player to come out. Nothing but love and support. First active player. Yes, exactly. Most right. There have been players who have been uh, uh, retired and have come out. And right. Sam, what was Sam's last name? Sam Michael. Uh, it was Michael Sam. Michael Sam never actually gay. made the roster. Right. He came, he came out as gay in college, so he got drafted right. as an openly gay player. But he really didn't stick around. And there was just the not line, that good. And there was that um, the lineman for the Vikings that came out afterwards. I can't pronounce his name. It's one of those Samoan names, and I have trouble. Right, 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 right. I, I know you're um, about. But, but, but this, he came out afterwards, yeah. But this was on a player who actually uh, came yeah. out during his playing days and actually had some skills. The problem is, is he's an edge rusher. Yeah. And and he he's he earned close to eight million, and that was just too rich for for, for the Raiders. Uh, he was a third round pick by the Browns in 2016. Played with him for two years before going to Vegas. In six seasons, he's compiled 22 sacks, and that's approximately five a season. Those are solid numbers. Solid, very solid. But for a pass edge rusher, I think teams are probably looking for a little bit more once they get into the range of we got to pay this guy. Right. Your thoughts on him being the first openly gay player and your thoughts on him with his NFL actual play and if he'll stick around in the league. Yeah. So let's address his play first, just as a player. Uh, He's a solid player. Look, I mean, he the reason they had to cut him, I'm I'm almost positive, is because they signed they signed Chandler Jones. So between Chandler Jones and um, Max Crosby, now they have those real terrorizing bookends, right? So, but they had to pay Chandler Jones. They have to pay Crosby. That means two guys they had to get rid of who were solid players. And uh, yeah, and Gakwe got traded, right? So they 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 got rid of his salary cap number today. Right. And then they, and then they release uh, Nasib. And, and they save his salary number. So they, in order to get, to, get the, to get the upgrade of Chandler Jones, and Chandler Jones is an upgrade, they had to clear out the space. So, you know, bring one defensive lineman on, trade, they traded uh, Ngakwe for uh, Rock Yasin to help out in the secondary. To the there court. you go. You had right? to look that up with the definition, had to pronounce it, did it? Yeah, Yasin, <laughs> uh, Rock Yasin, right. So, but now the fact that he was gay and look, uh, I don't, uh, a person's sexuality has never, ever occurred to me to be any type of factor. But the truth of the matter is, uh, other people use it for various purposes, both, you know, as uh, if you want to use the term wokeness and the conservatives use it for other reasons. So it becomes a hotbed issue uh, to be used politically. Uh, I haven't really heard. Actually, the guy- I, I don't think this becomes a hobbit issue. Look, conservatives don't have anything, uh, any issue with gay. Some of the fundamentalists do. But as I tell them, hey, I'd love to be a fly on the wall the day judgment comes to you because the Bible says uh, something well, about you, casting you the first stone. You're, you're not like most conservatives then. Because, really, I am. You, no, take, I- you take the minority and make it the majority. No, no. Let's, you know, you're That's not. That's the last time you went to a conservative you're, you're, meeting. 
You're not being forthright, William. Let's face I am it, being right? very forthright. Like, very like the, forthright. The I've had those battles. The Boberts and the Taylor Greens and, and uh, these people, they're, they're all pretty much anti-gay. If they're not anti-gay in terms of the person, they're look, anti-gay. I have been called anti-gay look, because we, I don't we, want pedophiles we, in, in teaching me. I don't listen, want pedophilia being taught in school. William, William. And I've been called anti-gay. William, there's yeah. an entire state that has proposed that the word gay not be used no they haven't school. florida has not proposed that have you actually read the law it's a yes Go ahead, no tell me about it tell me about yeah, it yeah the law does not state it's about uh, don't say gay the law states it's about you cannot teach about grooming and those types of issues to like if i remember correctly uh three to uh five-year-olds or it's, it's an age group where you shouldn't be teaching anything of that nature. I don't. I, I don't believe uh, uh, you should be talking heterosexuality except for a scientific process in school. That's a parent's job. But I've been called anti-gay, or I've been called, uh, yeah, is it anti-gay because of that? No, well, I haven't. Well, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people are anti-gay about it because, yeah. and um, a lot of leftists in the black and Latino cultures of which I I I've oh, gone, yes, I've gone in and out yes. of those cultures. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and and blacks at, at a rate of about 95 to 98 percent work democrat i mean well, vote democrat right you know, so i could easily say well it's a democrat party but i know it's not this is something that that, that you look at uh individually and then culturally to some ex- aspect and then as a whole you're but, right but the other right. side does it they look at it as a whole and they deem everybody as that why because they love doing that they take pleasure in doing that in some reason. No, no, yeah? no, no Because I, it's an easy stone to cast. No, it's not. I just stone no, the no, cast. No, yeah, no, it is. I, I, as a, as a conservative, not. no, no, no. You're, you're not. You're misunderstanding me. It's a righteous stone to cast because there should be nobody who should be anti-gay. At the end, God will judge us for whatever reason. And it's so like I've told you. I believe. I look at it this way: heterosexuals are the hard top cover that Detroit produces. Homosexuality is like the convertible. It's just a different car. No, yeah. I, I I appreciate your position. I'm not I'm not questioning your sincerity, but to hold the position. And by the way, I agree with you 100. The, percent There are Democrats slash liberals who are very much anti-gay because of their culture or their religion. So typically speaking, if you're religious, whether you're a religious Muslim, a religious Christian, uh, I I don't think Judaism has as much a problem with it. But I, if you're yeah, only just Muslim, Greek Orthodox do. I mean, well, the uh, like, like Orthodox I, Jews do. Uh, maybe I'm not sure. Uh, to be honest with you, that might be the case. I just I'm not familiar enough to be honest with you. But my point being is any 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 uh, conglomeration of a religious group, and for example, uh, Latinos tend to be very heavily Catholic. Uh, the the uh, the uh, black voting bloc tends to be either uh, 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 you know like uh, born again or charismatic or whatever, but they tend to be Christians. Well, sure. Well, we're brought up in a machismo society is what it boils down to. Well, Latinos look. I agree with you that Latino men, yes, absolutely. The machismo thing, as much as people goof on it, is very much a thing. I, I no 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 no. I, I'm refer- I, I guess let me apologize. I apologize. Take a step back. Yeah. I'm talking about the country i'm not talking about latinos in the states oh i'm talking about and remember all new latinos from mexico that that are coming through the border they're coming so i'm not talking americans uh a lot of the third generation or a lot of first second even first generations technically i would be a first generation latino because even though my mom didn't come up as an immigrant she came up because she married my father and puerto rico is a territory so he technically wasn't an immigrant they were the first 
of my family. So I would be a first uh, uh, generation. You're, so you're I, a one and a half generation. There you go. But my point is even I'm the asterisk with the first generations. It usually takes the second and third generations. To move uh, past that. Yes, yeah. I agree with you. But, agree. but it bothers me that, that, that you say that, not you personally, but because it, it's not true. Uh, since 2015, I've battled in these trenches. It's, it's what is it, when the, what's that saying? It's a tail wagging the dog or the minority few the dog, tend to be the, the loudest. Wagging. You think it's yeah, the dog tend to wagging be loudest? Because uh, I've actually met a lot of Christians who go, I don't care for homosexuality, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be judged. It's, it's, it's kind of like the Tea Party. When I became active in 2015, I saw that the that the 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 the, the, the Christian uh, arm of the Republican Party took over local Tea Parties, and that's how they became so Christianized. Because remember, when the Tea Party started, it was about fine about money. Yeah, it was you about know? taxes. Yeah, yeah, taxes. But anyway, we are digressing. Uh, 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 I think Carnacy uh, may not have as many destination choices because of what I said about the locker room culture. It, it, uh, uh, the league's made up of about 70% uh, African-American players, uh, like Latinos, our culture uh, is not as progressive. You know, people may not want to hear that. You call me whatever name you want, but it's the truth. So, so, so I, openly they'll, they'll say the right things, yeah. but privately they, they probably won't want him. And the team's going to look at their locker room culture and then what city they're in. So for example, and I'm not accusing Charlotte of anything, but the city in Charlotte may look at Nassim differently than the Rams would or that. And, and people yeah, are speculating look, here. Look, urban cities, and again, you're going to say I'm overgeneralizing, Let's face it. He's not going to play for the Atlanta Falcons. He's not going to play for the Charlotte, uh, for the Carolina Panthers. He's probably not going to play for any of the Florida teams. If you're worried about the city, right? Those are the ones that you have to have trouble with. He's probably not going to play up in um, Green Bay or something like that. He's going to end up in one of the New York markets, the Philly market, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, uh, maybe Seattle, since that's a very liberal town, right? Right. So, yeah, but I think he has value as a player. Yes, he's not a premier edge rusher, but I think if someone signs him for three, four million dollars on a prove it deal uh, where they can use six, maybe seven sacks opposite someone Here's else. Here's the problem. He's only 28. And uh, so I don't I don't think he's going to want a three to four million dollar deal. But if they can make it a seven million dollar deal in terms of bonuses. Like incentives. I think he, yeah, 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 yeah. Incentives. I think he is the perfect fit. Whether it's back in Oakland, whether it's in Buffalo, the Rams could be taking a look at him with the loss of Von Miller uh, uh, for depth. He is the type of player that a Tom Brady salary cap friendly team can go out and sign in what I would classify as quality. Depth. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. He he definitely can still play in the league, and he hopefully he'll find a home. Hopefully. All right, let's close it out. And I'm, I'm going to throw it to you because this is a bit after my time. May he rest in peace. Razor Ramon. Ramon. Cuban-American. WWE star has passed. Yes. Big John, we're both uh, big wrestling fans from our youth. Any comments? Look, uh, Razor Ramon, uh, real name Scott Hall, uh, was one of the really innovative characters that came along. Scott Hall started out, he was known as Big Scott Hall, wrestling in the AWA up in Minnesota. Uh, of course, it wasn't until the marketing genius of Vince McMahon got a hold of him, turned him into Razor Ramon. Now, 
most people know this, some may not. Razor Ramon was a character based on the Scarface version of uh, Al Pacino's version of Scarface. No way! Did yeah. not know that. Of course, yeah, that was so, after my time. Right, and if you notice, like, uh, if you listen to Scott Hall's speech patterns when he's doing Razor, Razor Ramon, he sounds like this. You know, he 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 tried to emulate Pacino's Cuban uh, Miami Cuban accent, right? Yeah. Um, he was uh, the bad guy. Right. And I don't mean that the heel. They called it the heel. And right. Not only was the the heel, but his nickname was the bad guy. He would come out and okay. what was one of his catchphrases are bad times don't last forever, but the bad guy does. That's right. right? That's and right. He, that was a memo. They made that into a memo when he passed on. Yeah, in the meme. Yeah. So so he's one meme. of those guys. <laughs> what what a lot of people don't realize is that from the technical perspective of wrestling, the craft of wrestling. He was a fantastic wrestler, technical wrestler. He knew all the holds. He was six seven, but he moved around the ring like a like a flyweight. Um, and when you think of all the things that he did in his career, he he had the first ladder match with Shawn Michaels, considered oh one of the. Oh my god! So he was the beginning of the true Attitude destruction of their bodies. You know? Yeah, yeah. He he he. He was a really, really, really top performer. Um, then, of course, the second act of his career, which was probably the biggest, you know, when they uh, a storyline in wrestling is called an angle. It was probably the biggest angle of our lifetimes was the NWO when he joined a uh, big, sexy Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan. And they formed the NWO. That's right. That's right. Now it was cool to be the bad guys. You know, it, it always used to be that the, the good guys were supposed to win. Right. And even when he was Razor Ramon. He would come out and he'd be the bad guy and he wasn't supposed to win. He was, you know, he was the heel, like you said. But when he joined the NWO, it was cool to be the bad guy. It was cool to lie and cheat. And of course, the funny part, if you watch that era of his career, he slowly lost his Cuban accent. He forgot <laughs> to do the Cuban accent. So at one point, he just stopped putting on the accent and he just spoke in his regular voice, which you've ever heard him. He had a very deep voice and blah, 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 big Scott Hall. One of the things, of course, that obviously contributed to his death, and he had he died on March 14th, and he had three heart attacks, basically. Right. I was going to bring that up, because some people are going to just immediately say steroids. Yeah, I don't think it was steroids. His, demons, his demons were drinking and uh, drugs, to the point that at one, at one stage in his career, they actually made an angle out of his drinking, where he ran wow. to the ring and then stumbled off the thing and fell mm -hmm. into the audience while he was carrying a beer. They were making fun of a real life problem that he had. That was part of the, the, the criticisms of, the, of Vince McMahon. He had, there's nothing sacred to him. Or right. I'm gonna get help for some of his wrestlers. He really, some of the stories are that he just used and abused and dumped these wrestlers. Well, that's some of the stories. Some of the other stories are actually that the WWE has instituted wellness programs. They, now, they, now they, they have. Well, it's been for a couple of years now. Um, yeah. And they've paid for people to go to rehab, you know. So no, no, no. I, that's recent. Remember, the W Vince McMahon goes back to what the seventies when oh, he got started. Him and his father, it goes back. Yeah, to yeah. So, so yeah. that's recent. I'm talking about the eighties, even some of those these stars. Yeah. yeah. No, no. There's, <laughs> excuse me. There's no doubt that there was some of that going on. But anyway, so uh, Scott Hall, rest in peace. Uh, one of the great characters. Uh, I mean, and when you say rest in peace in his case, it, it probably is the case because he suffered a lot in his life, especially later. Um, at one point, I think he was accused of murder uh, before wow. he got into wrestling. That's right. He, he did a have a criminal career. Yeah, there's a 30 for 30 on it. 
and if you get the chance, you should see it. But yeah, so well, he was uh, also friends with Nash, Kevin Nash. Real oh, close. close friends with Nash and with Sean Waltman, known as X Pac. Uh, very close uh, friends. They did the they did all that together. So rest in peace, Scott Hall. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Razor. I can definitely roll my R's with him too. And there we have it, America. Thank you for tuning in, and we shall catch you on the next go around. Good job, baby. <laughs>